Welcome to the Empire Files podcast. This is your host, Abby Martin. This is the audio of our show. You can watch the episodes on our YouTube channel or at theempirefiles.tv. For as long as I've been able to vote, Democrats have used the Supreme Court card to lecture progressives about the need to support them. Voters have been told for decades that every election could come down to a woman's right to choose. This gun to the heads of the left demands we conform and comply for the sake of protecting these sacred rights, telling them, if you don't like the Democratic Party nominee, too bad. You're not really voting for the next president. You're voting for the Supreme Court. Now that very scenario is playing out. Right-wing judge Amy Coney Barrett has been officially sworn in as the ninth justice. Uber-religious Barrett was actually an anti-abortion activist and is already on the record advocating the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Even though she has very little experience, we know what else she stands for, because she clerked for the monstrous right-wing extremist Antonin Scalia, proclaiming his judicial philosophy is hers too, like that gay sex should be illegal. Her nomination cemented a 6-3 ultra-conservative majority for generations to come. This means not only the possible repeal of current legislation, like civil rights, women's rights, and environmental protections, but also suppression of any new positive changes we might win. Anything good that gets passed can just be ruled unconstitutional by this elite, unelected body. So what did the Democrats do when faced with a fight to stop the extremists they've been warning us about this whole time? Many will throw their hands up and say, there was nothing that they could have done. Republicans control the Senate. Nancy Pelosi and other so-called resistance leaders claim they would use every weapon in their arsenal or every arrow in their quiver to stop this handmade lady from being appointed. But they literally tried nothing. Nothing. And yes, there is plenty they could have done to jam up the process, like presenting week-to-week -week budget bills, fast-track measures, or impeachment proceedings that take precedence in the Senate. Shutting down the government? It's not like they're passing a stimulus anyway or at the very least holding press conferences calling for massive rallies to fight this. Pelosi took these options off the table while Schumer threatened they might retaliate next year if they take back the House. Oh yeah, they also politely asked Barrett to recuse herself if this election came down to another Bush v. Gore right-wing coup, which I'm sure she'll do. Instead, they just took a back seat and let the nomination hearings play out. Their only token resistance was asking some hard questions. This performative act was so weak, it totally backfired and actually increased Barrett's approval rating among Democrats. Now, with huge numbers of women in fear of further restrictions on reproductive health, the Democrats could at least be pivoting their campaign to a plan to protect them, like the popular demand of expanding the court by adding seats, which Biden recently stated he would not do. Or what about what Bernie suggested that everyone seems to have forgotten about? But I do believe that constitutionally we have the power to rotate judges to other courts. And that brings in new blood into the Supreme Court. How come no one ever talked about this again? Instead, they're just using Barrett's confirmation as a fundraising opportunity and a call for voter turnout. See, this is what happens when Republicans are in charge. You better vote. But they're not saying what they'll do if you vote for them. And even if they win everything back, the White House, Senate, and House, any incremental measure they may pass, like healthcare expansion or minimum wage laws, could be brought to the Supreme Court and overturned as unconstitutional by minority rule. The Democrats already ceded any power they have, 
and cemented right-wing rule over anything good they might do for potentially decades to come. Look, we need to stop thinking of the Democrats as helpless kittens that are just outsmarted in battle time and again. They simply don't care about us. They didn't fight for us because they don't want to fight for us. Remember when Obama had a supermajority in the House and Senate the first two years in office and only managed to get us Romney care? Then he let the GOP block his moderate Supreme Court pick Merrick Garland because it was too divisive during an election. This gave Trump three vacancies to ram judges through. And it's much more than just SCOTUS. Trump has already appointed a record number of lifetime federal judges, more than any president at this point, and Democrats vote to confirm them 40% of the time. Most of these federal judges and all six of the ultra-conservative Supreme Court justices are closely tied to the Federalist Society, funded by far-right billionaires like the Walmart family and Pfizer. And don't forget about the two justices who are sexual predators. Ironically, one is there because of Donald Trump and the other because of Joe Biden. Koch brothers surrogate Brett Kavanaugh and Monsanto lawyer Clarence Thomas. Interestingly, in the past 50 years, the Democrats have actually only been able to get four justices appointed, compared to the Republicans' 15, despite the pendulum swinging back and forth on which party holds the White House. But let's take a step back for a moment. Even if they were to expand the court, balancing it out with liberals, or even if the whole court was entirely picked by Democrats, what would that really mean? First of all, the Supreme Court is bound to the Constitution, deciphering what the Founding Fathers intended when writing it, or rather, what the slave-owning aristocracy nearly 300 years ago wanted. The U.S. Constitution was created as an instrument to protect the ruling class, their private property, and their wealth. First, the slaveocracy, it's since been modified to fit the needs of the capitalist class. For example, as soon as the U.S. Constitution was amended to abolish slavery, it was also amended to state that corporations should be considered people, but with more rights. From then until now, most cases the Supreme Court deals with are for corporations. Secondly, the main purpose of the Supreme Court is to overturn anything passed by Congress deemed unconstitutional under this capitalist constitution, meaning the Supreme Court is explicitly undemocratic. In other words, if the democratically elected Congress passes anything democratically that the ruling class does not like, our SCOTUS lords can simply swoop in and scrap the whole thing. It really is the last line of defense for the super-rich against progressive change. To block the gains of mass movements, even if they win that holy grail of pushing Congress or the White House left. For example, the Affordable Care Act is set to be overturned on the basis that it infringes on the rights of businesses. Imagine what would happen if we won Medicare for all. While the demand to expand the court would be a progressive reform, it would still be stuck in this horrible framework and system of legal inequality. The entire Supreme Court really needs to be abolished, and we shouldn't be afraid to say it. And while we're at it, we need a new constitution too. This court is considered the great moral arbiter when they've often been on the wrong side of history. For example, codifying Jim Crow segregation and the internment of Japanese Americans in concentration camps. And who could forget when they handpicked our president, George W. Bush, after he lost the election? Today, all the hand-wringing about why we must turn to the Democrats to maybe appoint a better justice is based on the fact that a small number of times throughout our history, the Supreme Court has made landmark progressive rulings. 
They point mainly to decisions overturning segregation, as well as upholding the right to abortion and same-sex marriage, as proof that everything hinges on who is put in the court by way of who we elect to the White House. But a deeper look at those watershed cases tells a different story. In each one of those instances, it was not good-natured justices doing the right thing. Each of them were the result of mass movements in the streets on the shoulders of decades of militant grassroots organizing that made this system fear making any other decision. In fact, Roe v. Wade happened in the first place under the reactionary Nixon administration and a right-wing Supreme Court. So a woman's movement today can defend it under the same circumstances. Millions are terrified about what this new court dynamic will mean. And it's a legitimate fear. Instead of letting them corral you into an unjust political system that makes you feel the only power you have is to vote, history shows us the power of the people can tip the scales. We need to look at our own potential, our own capacity to organize and defend our rights. Thank you for listening to our Empire Files podcast. Help keep us independent and ad-free at patreon.com slash empirefiles. And be sure to catch our newest episodes by subscribing to our YouTube channel.